All right. All right, can you all hear me now? Good. All right, well, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we pray for your undertaking this morning as we look into your word. But Father, you would, you would show us your truth, that we would uh, have a better understanding according to your, uh, according to your knowledge and uh, your, your understanding. So Lord, we pray for your grace and mercy this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we've been doing our, our series here um, on the realities and we looked at how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, yielding to God's commands and yielding to, God, to the Holy Spirit's convictions. And of course, we looked at the fruit of the Spirit, which was a, a wonderful thing that God's done for us. And then we were looking uh, at, uh, at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what we did first, we, we found that there was a, a group of gifts in Romans and um, we've realised that all of these are permanent and I'll just touch on that one in a minute. So we've, we've, uh, we've noticed these are permanent, evangelism. Over here there seem to be some grey areas whether or not it's permanent and I'm going to finish up on some of those today. And then we found also in uh, 1 Corinthians 28 that, that, that some gifts were repeated and there were some permanent ones and some that we would consider temporary. So we put them down as well. And last week we thought we'd we better just check to make sure that um, there, was, there was no discrepancy here, for example. So we, um, we looked at the teaching in both, in both verses and we found that they were essentially similar. We then looked at uh, he that ruleth in Romans 12 and in governments in, in 1 Corinthians 12. And again, we found that they were essentially similar. And the same with helps. We, we found that as well, that essentially they were similar. Then we moved on to the two prophecies where prophecy was uh, specified in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and in Romans 12. So I thought, okay, they're in two spots. What's going on here? They're both the same Greek word, as you can see, 43.94. So uh, we thought, well, let's have a, a, a better look at this. And uh, we found that, in fact, with uh, the prophecy in Romans 12, when it talks about prophecy, there's this little caveat there in, in Romans 12.6. It said, uh, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, which means or in right relationship to faith. So we looked at that faith and that, uh, that faith meant that um, you know, uh, they were to prophesy, they were to, to speak in the churches in harmony with what God had already spoken to them about. So um, because of that caveat, we concluded that in fact in, in Romans 12, when it listed the gifts, because of that caveat, um, we, we uh, concluded that this prophecy was in fact preaching as we know today. So therefore, it, it comes into here as a permanent gift and it's still dark because that's where the permanent gifts are. So, it's, so it stays there. Uh, now then we, we thought, well, what's going on over here? Should we make that one permanent as well by making it nice and dark or should we leave it as the grey area? And we, we looked at that a bit further, but because there was no caveat when it talked about prophecy on this side under Corinthians, because there was no caveat 
and by association because it seemed to be with the other gifts that, were, that we considered temporary. Because of that, we decided that, yes, okay, here under 1 Corinthians 12 was most properly that foretelling prophecy, that prophecy that was, um, uh, that was there in the New Testament because the, uh, because the canon was not finished. The New Testament wasn't finished. So, so we put that in there and we, we said, okay, well, if it's, not, if it's not a permanent gift, we should delete it from there, and we did. So we finished up last week at this point where we said, okay, this is the permanent prophecy. And, and isn't it amazing that in Romans chapter 12, it seems that all the gifts are permanent. That's, in, that's very interesting. But in Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter, chapter 12 verses 7 to 10 and 28, uh, there seems to be uh, some uh, temporary ones. And as we'll see, uh, this is probably all temporary. And that's what we're going to look at today. So let's, uh, let's deal with the first grey one which is wisdom and knowledge. So remember we, put, we grade these out because we said, well, we're not sure if they're permanent. Let's have, a, let's have a closer look at this. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at wisdom, knowledge, faith and discernment. Um, and uh, we might touch on tongues if we get there in time. So let's have a look at, at, uh, at wisdom. So wisdom, wisdom here under 1 Corinthians 12, maybe we should just, let's just read the verse again just to refresh our memory because we need to always refer to the Bible. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 12 and verses 7 to 10. I'll just read that out. But the manifestations of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the Spirit of word, is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So we can see that there's uh, quite a few controversial gifts in there, but we're going to deal this morning with wisdom knowledge, discernment and faith. So now uh, with wisdom, now you notice here it says to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. The fact that that word, word is there in the Greek meaning a logos indicates that this in fact is a speaking gift. So the word of wisdom is, is someone spoke some wise words. Now um, this was for the apostolic age, says the first uh, commentator. Now then he says, but he could be for today as well. So that's interesting, isn't it? But then the second commentator says um, that uh, this is an exhibition of wisdom, i.e. speech. But the second commentator decided that he would be non-committal as to whether it was for today or not. The third commentator says, probably was a temporary gift like apostleship and had to do with communication of spiritual wisdom such as contained in the epistles and it was necessary in the early church when the church did not possess the new testament so that's the third commentator so the first commentator says it's 
it's possibly for today. The second one says non-committal. Um, you know, it's not going to. It's going to stand on the fence. And the third one says, no, no, it's it's not for the t- it's not for today. Now we could leave it there, and I could say, well, you know, it, it's not for today. But I thought what I would try and do is see if I could actually pull apart the argument of the first commentator, who who uh, suggests that it might be for today, and that would help us because we would go straight to the Bible that way. So. The first commentator, he said, it is used most often to refer to the ability to understand God's will and apply it obediently. Now, isn't that interesting? He suggests that it might be for, for today, but then he says, oh, you know, um, let, let's, let's, let's clarify that and say this is the ability to understand God's will and obey it immediately. Now, that sounds like something for today, doesn't it? But anyway, so let's, let's list several verses here, I will, um, including, um, well, well, we'll read Acts 6.10. So if you'll, if you'll turn to Acts 6.10, now that's about uh, Stephen, the, uh, the Apostle Stephen, uh, not the Apostle Stephen, the martyr Stephen, Acts 6.10. Acts 6, 8 to 10. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there came certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertarians, uh, uh, Lib, I can't read that actually, Libertines, sorry, and Cyrenians, and a and L, I can't read that. Anyway, can someone read that? Anyway, you, you can you can see it. And of them of uh, Cilicia of Asia, disputing with Stephen, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Now, um, now let's look at. So, so Stephen was full of power, of faith and miracles. So it sounds to me that he was full of temporary gifts because uh, as we'll see later, the miracles um, uh, aren't here and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look at, at faith in a minute. But it sounds to me there that he's full of the temporary gifts. So we, we can't actually... Um, consider that as a permanent gift, the fact that he spoke with such wisdom, uh, that indicates to me that he had the gift of wisdom, but it was of the temporary, uh, of the temporary type. Uh, then Second Peter 3.15 is also very good. Second Peter 3.15 Second Peter 3.15 and an account that the long-suffering of our Lord in, in sal- is salvation, even as our, as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So our beloved brother Paul had wisdom. Now, with that wisdom he wrote. So indeed, what did Paul write? Paul wrote the epistles. So God gave him the wisdom to write the epistles. So that wisdom that Paul has is that special wisdom, that gift of wisdom 
that is not available today. So let's, just to, just to close off the argument, I checked what, what wisdom is available to us in the Bible because we've just looked at the two characters in the Bible, Stephen and, uh, and um, Paul, and both of them appear to have the gift of wisdom, the true gift of wisdom, the temporary one which was available at the time. But what's available to us today? And for that, for example, uh, I looked up the word wise in, in, in the concordance, and it's very easy these days with the computer. You just type it in and bingo, they all come up quickly. So I looked up the word wise, Psalm 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now that word simple means, um, you know, uh, simplicity, foolish, um, naive. Now we were all naive at one stage. We were all naive. We were all simple regarding the word of God at one stage before we were saved. But when we got saved, the Lord gave us wisdom. So there's, there's a certain amount of wisdom that's available to us today. So in fact, anyone can become wise, can't they, today? Anyone can become wise by, by trusting the Lord. And of course, if you look at the book of Proverbs, it's all about becoming wise. Now, what about the New Testament? What does that say about becoming wise? Well, you might remember 2 Timothy 3.15. Um, Paul talking to, to Timothy. And that from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, remember the definition of wisdom by the first commentator that we read before? It is used most often to refer to the ability to understand God's will and apply it obediently. Well, we don't need the gift of wisdom, that temporary gift of wisdom anymore. We can get it from the Bible. It's here. So, in fact, um, the first commentator's argument is, is, is quite shaky, if you ask me. Now, Ephesians 5.14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now, this is the whole theme of, uh, of uh, you know, the last year that we've been doing, that we should, walk in, we should wake up and, and walk in the light. But if you go down to verse 17, it says, that Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So again, we can become wise by reading the Bible, by understanding what God says to us. It's available for us today. And then I thought, well, let's look up the word wisdom, just to make sure. So in Psalm 15, 6, it says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So there we, well, there we have it. If we're honest with God, he will make us wise in the understanding of the word. In Psalm 110, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's available. We, we actually don't need this gift. Look up now, there's, a, there's a Proverbs 2, 2, chapter 1, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Now this is, this is very interesting. It says, Incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. 
if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, as, as for hidden treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The, for the Lord giveth wisdom. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. Thou sh- then thou shalt understand righteousness. Wisdom entereth into thy heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. So I've, I've missed out a few words, but you get the gist. Proverbs chapter 2 is saying wisdom is available to every single Christian today. <coughs> then a couple more. Uh, in James 1.5. So now let's check the New Testament. Though, though the Old Testament, obviously, let's check what the New Testament says because we know that the New Testament is applicable to us. So James 3.16. Sorry, James 1.5. First, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. There we go. We do lack wisdom, but we can ask God. And we'll get it. Uh, James 3.16 For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, etc., etc. So the Christian that avoids envying and strife, to that Christian, the Bible tells us God grants them wisdom from above. Why do we need the gift of wisdom? It's, it's available liberally. I don't think we need to debate if we can get the gift of wisdom because of its availability to each one of us. So I think I agree with the third commentator who says it's probably a temporary gift like, like apostleship and had to do with the communication of spiritual wisdom such as, contained, such as now is contained in the epistles. So we have the wisdom that God granted to the apostles. That gift of wisdom that he granted to them so they could write the Bible is available to us now. So it was necessary in the early church when the church had no New Testament. So what we can do, we can remove wisdom from here. It's not a permanent gift because you see here we have permanent and permanent. So these were grayed out. So we've taken out wisdom. As As it's stated in here, it's a temporary gift. So now we'll move on to, um, to knowledge. Is that temporary or is that permanent? Okay. So again, because of the word logos, and if you have a look in verse 9, uh, verse 8, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So again, the implication is that this is a speaking gift. So people spoke uh, with, in those days with this gift with new knowledge. People didn't have this knowledge when they spoke. So God gave them the, the, the gift. So the human writers of scripture, of course, had this gift in a unique way. God gave them the truths directly, which they recorded as part of the written word. Since the Bible was completed... This gift is no longer involved in receiving new truth. And of course we have uh, Revelation 22.18 to, to testify to that. Because Revelation 2.18 says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall 
add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book, God shall take away his part in the book of life. So that is a, uh, a catch-all catch verse, isn't it, regarding the Bible, regarding new knowledge. So let's have a look at a couple of verses before we uh, completely discount it. So the first, um, the, uh, the first verse is 2 Peter 1.21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 2 Timothy 3.16, which I'm sure you, you know. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We have all that knowledge now in the Bible that's been preserved for, for, for 2,000 years. And in fact, the Old Testament preserved even longer than that. So Paul knew he had direct revelation from God. And in another epistle, the epistle to the Ephesians, he actually says so. He says in Ephesians 1, For this cause I, Paul, um, verse 2, uh, if, if you have heard of the disposition of the grace of God, which is given to me, to you would, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote in a few words. That, and then he says in verse 4, that ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. So people didn't know before about this knowledge and he's now revealing to the, his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So that word of knowledge the apostles had and with that knowledge they, they wrote the New Testament. Now... Um, the first commentator says this of modern Christians, and we, we need to deal with it a little bit. He says, But it is especially the gift of communicating insight into the mysteries of his revelation. And then for that he cites Colossians 1.25, and he says, um, where, have I am, where, where Paul says, Where have I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfil the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest unto his saints. But the commentator gets this a little bit askew here because, uh, in fact, the context here of the word mystery is that the Bible, uh, is, is that in this, in this Bible verse, is that it's simply something that was hidden before. And, and, the, and that, that, that mystery was made known unto the apostles. Um, so that's the context of, of this verse. So now when it says that this mystery is made manifest unto his saints, how is it made known unto us? Well, the finished Bible is what makes that mystery known unto us. So it's already, it's already occurred. So one, one more verse, um, 2 Peter 1.19 we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. So what should we take heed of? It tells us in verse 20 that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So that, whiz, that, that knowledge was given to the apostles as a temporary gift and it's not available to us 
today at all, apart from what is in the Bible. So there is no element of, of new revelation of knowledge to the modern Christian. So I agree with uh, the second commentator. The word of knowledge had to do with transmission of truth of a more practical character, i.e. the epistles. Um, it was also a temporary gift. The word of God is, is completely sufficient now. So we can again remove knowledge from here as well. So, so far, we don't have any temporary gifts apart from possibly faith and discernment. So we better deal with those now. So if we deal with faith, now the first commentator says this, this, this spirit, uh, uh, this, this gift of faith is obviously not saving faith and we would all agree with that, nor is it daily faith by which the believer lives, that supposedly common faith if you can say that. But anyway, that's what the commentator says. But it is limited to certain Christians uh, and he implies that it's even available today, and it has to do with an intensive ability to trust God in difficult and demanding ways. It is the ability to trust him in the face of overwhelming obstacles and human impossibilities. Now, whether or not that's any different from the gift of faith, it's pretty hard to tell, I, I would say. Anyway, um, the commentator then brings up Acts 27 uh, as in support of that, talking about uh, Paul, but in fact, um, uh, an angel spoke to Paul in that regard. So, you know, it's no doubt Paul had the gift of faith, the gift of the Holy Spirit of faith, but whether, whether what he had then exists in this, in this sort of a, a greater, uh, in, in, in this sort of a, a, an equivalent um, strength now, well, you know. I'm not sure. The commentator doesn't answer that question either. So it, it's, it's becoming a bit grey whether this gift of faith then, um, certainly then it was greater because they had, they had less revelation. But, you know, wh whether the gift of faith is in fact the gift of faith or in fact if we can have it now as normal Christians, that, that's the point here. So... If we look at other examples of the gift of faith in New Testament times, of course we can look at, at Stephen the martyr in Acts 6-8 where it says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now we would say, yes, he had the gift of faith because it's listed as a gift and to, 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 to stay there and be stoned, you need to have you had to have faith in God. Now remember, he only had the Old Testament at that time. So indeed, he would have had the gift of faith as, as, as defined here. Uh, Barnabas at Antioch. Uh, in, in, um, he was, Barnabas was sent to Antioch from Jerusalem uh, in order to exhort and, and preach uh, at, at the church in Antioch. And in Acts 20, uh, 11, 24, it describes Barnabas as this. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. So we would say, yes, he had the gift of faith in, in the New Testament. Certainly he would have, that, that verse would have applied to him. And then, of course, we have the hall of faith in Hebrews 11.33. 
And the, and the Bible says, who through faith subdued, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, ordained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. So yes, we would say, yeah, they had the gift of faith. You can imagine um, Daniel um, not being afraid to be thrown in, into, into the den of lions. And you can imagine Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego not being afraid to be thrown into that fiery furnace where, where the, um, it tells us later that the, the um, guards came up and they were burnt just, just throwing them in. So uh, they had the gift of faith. Then, of course, there are other examples of faith in the Old and New Testament. We can think of Noah, um, who, who took God very seriously. We can think of Nehemiah, um, building the, uh, the, the temple. We can think of uh, Job, tested beyond imagination. And we would say, yes, he had the gift of faith. R- Joseph, Ruth, Esther, Daniel, Elijah. Then, of course, Paul. He would have had the gift of faith because he says, I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, we know that was true. Then of Philip. Um, remember where, where the Bible says... So the Holy Spirit said to him, Arise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert place. And then, of course, he found the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch there. That would have taken faith. So he would have had the gift of faith in order to be able to do that. So, so, but so far, we only see Bible characters with the gift of faith. So now, if it was available today... Is it available to us? If the gift of faith was available today, is it available to us as it was to those Bible characters? Well, let's have a look. Um, we'll, we'll touch on now the second commentator's um, uh, suggestion. He says of the gift of faith, he says, not to be confused with saving faith, the possession of every Christian. This is the faith that manifests itself in unusual deeds of trust. And then he suggests, he says, the faith of George Mueller or of Hudson Taylor, uh, these two may qualify. And of course, um, we know that their lives exhibited faith. Did they have the gift of faith as listed here under 1 Corinthians 12? We'll see. Anyway, uh, the third commentator then says, this is not saving faith, but wonder-working faith to move mountains. Um, it's a little bit of a, of a throwaway line. But anyway, let's have a look. So we've got three, co- three commentators um, and it's not quite clear what they're talking about, whether in fact this gift of faith, which was available to the Old Testament um, characters and to the New Testament um, uh, characters, whether this gift of faith is available to us. So we have to look a bit closer. So what does the Bible say of our faith today? What does it say is available to us today that where we have no argument? Well, if we look at six, uh, Matthew 6.20, um, the, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, comments to, um, to some people, and I won't read all the verses, he says, Oh, ye of little faith. So, number one, we can have little faith, can't we? Because some people did. Acts, uh, Matthew 8.10 uh, when Jesus heard it, talking about the uh, centurion, uh, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So here we have a, 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 a Gentile, in fact, 
in, in the New Testament who's, who, who has displayed great faith. Then in Romans 1.7, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So here we have the implication that faith can be increased from faith to faith. And then it says the just or the justified, and that's every single one of us. The justified shall live by faith. So clearly it's available to us today. Is it the gift as it was stated then? That's still debatable. So a couple more verses. Romans 14.1 Him that is weak in faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputation. So people can have weak faith. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.7 For we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, it takes, it takes faith to walk in this world, doesn't it? Uh, with, with all the sinful um, uh, uh, temptations and, and, uh, and connotations and so forth. Then uh, 2 Corinthians 10.15, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labours, but having hope. When your faith is increased. Oh, so our faith can be increased. Then, then we can look at... Um, Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So our faith can be so strong that we can have boldness in Christ. And then Ephesians 6.16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherein ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Wow, our faith can quench the temptations of the devil. The devil with whom we have, um, for whom we are no match, but our faith can quench his temptations. Um, Colossians 2.5 For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith. So our faith today can be steadfast. Uh, a couple more. Second uh, Timothy 1.3 we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Huh, our faith can grow exceedingly. And of course, 1 Timothy 1.5, our faith can be unfeigned, can be sincere. These are, all, these are all great characteristics for our faith, are they? How much does it really differ from, you know, this, this faith in here, if, if, you know, what, what the apostles had and so forth. And then Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. So faith is mandatory for every single Christian. And then uh, 1 Peter 1.7, that the trial of your faith being more precious than gold might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Looks like this wonderful faith is available to all Christians. And in fact, in 1 John 5, 4, it says that our faith overcomes the world and, and that we have a most holy faith. Wonderful adjectives. So we've seen many verses which are for us today encouraging us to have a substantial faith. And if we strove for the faith that we have just read in these verses, 
would we be any worse than if we had this gift of faith? I'm not sure, actually. Does the gift of faith exist today? I'm not sure. We're encouraged by the Bible, the New Testament, that we can increase our faith, that we can have great faith. Now, it doesn't actually matter, as far as I can see, it doesn't matter um, uh, whether or not we define this faith here as a gift of faith that has passed and that we can't get it because we've just seen what we can get and it's pretty substantial. So, you know, I, th- I, think, um, I think we'll just leave it there with a question mark. It could refer to, to the, the special faith that the, that the New Testament writers had, um, but from what I see in the New Testament, what's available to us, it's pretty good. So I'm going to leave it there because I'm just not sure and I think the commentators have not been clear in their, in their um, uh, explanation. So we'll leave that there. We'll look at now discernment. We'll see if we can finish that off. Now you probably, you probably can't see it over there but anyway discernment is here on the bottom. Where are we? Okay, I've messed up the thing. But anyway, the square should be on discernment. So what is this gift of discernment? And where is it? It's verse 10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. Oh, okay. So, discerning of spirits. Is this temporary or is it available for us today? So 1 Corinthians 2.10 appears to refer to 1 John for one. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they be of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Okay, that's fair enough. Or it could refer to 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. Now, the first commentator suggests that all Christians should judge carefully what they hear and what they read. And then he quotes 1 John 4.1. And he suggests that the gift is here for us today, this first commentator. In answer to this, I would say, uh, I would point to Acts 17.11 about the Bereans, who are more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So, We can get the same from the Bible, can't we? We can get the discernment that we need to judge uh, judge carefully what we see and hear. We can judge it against the Bible. We don't need this, this discernment of spirits to do that, do we? The second commentator, he says, discerning of spirits is now done through the spirit, through the word. So the gift is not for us today. And this is, this is what we would agree with. The third commentator says, During the period of time when scripture is being, was still being formulated, a class of individuals gifted with discerning true prophets from false prophets was necessary. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? So 1 John 4.1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Of course they had to, because there was people then 
saying, oh, I've got the word of wisdom. I've got the word of knowledge. God gave it to me by his spirit. So, of course, this gift was needed then. And, uh, uh, of course, let, in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. So there was this judgment of whether the new knowledge that was coming was of God or not. So this, this spirit of discernment certainly was active in the New Testament, but today it's not necessary. So the gift is not for today. We have the Bible. We don't have to judge between foretelling prophets. So we can remove that one from here too. That can go. Oops. So that can go. So we can see quite clearly that in fact in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it appears that there are no permanent gifts apart from this one, this one faith, which the Bible tells us so clearly that we can have it today in, in the sphere of the New Testament. Now, mind you, uh, uh, martyrs of today and yesteryear have to have great faith to, in fact, die for the Lord. So, I mean, I think it proves the point. The faith that is available to us is substantial. So, that's our, that, that's our permanent gifts. And, of course, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 lists three of them. The others are temporary because they match up with these. So, there's our permanent gifts. Prophecy, teaching, exhortations, leadership, helps, giving, mercy, evangelism. Now, we don't have much time, um, but I was going to go over the temporary gifts, and I might not be able to. But I was going to. So we've already said that wisdom, knowledge, prophecy is temporary. We've said discernment is temporary. Next thing I was going to do is miracles and healing, and they're quite easy to dispatch. But it's ten sixteen, so I think we'll stop. Now next week I have to talk. Uh, to Adam, because next week uh, Zoe and I are going to a, another church because one of our sons, has got, there's a special service there, so we'll be visiting them. So I won't be here, we won't be here, but um, I think Adam's got something ready. But anyway, I'll talk to Adam and Pastor um, before today. So let, let's pray and uh, ask the Lord to bless us. Father God, we, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we thank you for, for the wonderful gifts that you've given each one of us. We thank you, Lord, for, uh, for, for the gift of faith that indeed is a gift to us this day. Lord, we, we thank you for your great provision for us, for our Christian lives. And Lord, we pray for your continued blessing. Father, be with us this morning. Be with, uh, uh, be with us in our main service. Be with Pastor as he brings the word, Lord. Bless our, our worship and our singing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.